if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Inspired am I. I always get inspired when we play that uh, Ronald Reagan Open. Actually, it's a kind of a hodgepodge of, uh, of great comments and uh, uh, statements from a lot of great Americans, but particularly the ending there with President Reagan. I'm inspired by that, and I was inspired last night by J.D. Vance in Columbus on the Fox News Town Hall Forum in which he was given 30 minutes after Tim Ryan was given 30 minutes to answer questions from the audience, both in the studio there, as well as via Twitter and via video. It was a really unique format. It was very interesting. And let me just say this, J.D. Vance absolutely killed it. He did. He was confident. He was strong. He was assertive in his answers. He has found his sea legs as it were. And uh, it's in obviously impeccable timing. It's impeccable timing that he has done exactly that now, just five days away from deciding. Actually, six. Take that back, because uh, we'll call it a week from yesterday. Six days away from deciding whether or not we are going to reclaim and save this country or we are going to surrender it forever. So, welcome. We have a loaded show today. It's 11 minutes after 9 o'clock on this Wednesday. It's the second morning of the 11th month of the year of our Lord, 2022. And coming up on the broadcast, we're talking elections. We're talking midterms. We're talking with a couple of very important candidates, too. In about a half an hour, we're going to talk with Christina Rogner, who, of course, is running for re-election to the state Senate. Very, very important piece of the puzzle in Columbus as we look to not only retain strong conservatives, but replace weak rhinos. Uh, Christina Rogner is one of the former, not the latter. So we're going to talk to her coming up at 9.35. Then at 10.10, 10, 
We haven't had a chance yet to speak with Madison Jessiato Gilbert. I'm very much looking forward to that as she runs for her congressional seat or for a congressional seat against Amelia Sykes, uh, who is a far, 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 far left Ohio state representative. And uh, she wants to go to the United States uh, Congress to go to uh, Washington to bring that with her. Uh, We have to make sure that does not happen. Madison Jessiato Gilbert will join us to talk about that race and... uh, her closing uh, stretch run, if you will, coming up. That'll be at 10.10. And then at 11.10 this morning, we're going to break it down with a guy who was in Columbus yesterday for the Ryan and uh, Vance Town Hall. And I'll just put it in that order because that's the order they spoke. Uh, Jack Windsor from the Ohio Press Network will be joining us at 11.10. So we've got uh, Christina Rogner, Madison, Jessiato Gilbert, and Jack Windsor. Now, to those who are on my Twitter feed, and you can find me on the new Twitter, yes, I rejoined Twitter I did it um, because Elon Musk took over and has brought free speech back. I do not have fear of censorship. I do not have fear of being shadow banned. I do not have fear of having my account suspended. Uh, hopefully, sooner rather than later, he will restore President Donald J. Trump's uh, Twitter account. Not that Trump is necessarily going to accept it and, and, uh, and act on it, because he may not. He may just stick with Trump social. But free speech has returned to Twitter. And uh, so I'm on it as well. And if you're interested, you can find me there on Twitter. Uh, my handle, you just look for my name, Bob France, or you can look for Always Right Radio, or you can look for France on Air. You'll find me one way or another. It's at France on Air, uh, Always Right Radio on Twitter. So on my Twitter and on my Facebook pages, yesterday I pointed out that I was going to have J.D. Vance on the program this morning. I was texting with J.D. last night after his uh, his dominating performance, and I congratulated him, and uh, in response, you know, we had, a, we had a nice little exchange, and then he said, uh, yeah, I'd like to come on one more time. And I said, let's do it. And we tried to schedule it. We agreed on a time, but then somehow the scheduler got involved. Point being, um, we were not able to make that happen this morning. We're hopefully going to have him on tomorrow to, uh, again, talk about the closing stretch drive of this uh, of this campaign. So, J.D. Vance, I've got a lot of audio from J.D. from last night that we're going to play here coming up very shortly. So J.D. Vance will be jo- uh, joining us hopefully tomorrow, but today it's Christina Rogner-Madison, Jesse Otto-Gilbert, and uh, Jack Windsor. So I welcome you to be a part of that, too, at 216-901-0945, Either one of those numbers is just hunky-dory with me. Now, before we get to the news of the day, let me give you your daily reminder. It is the second morning of the 11th month of the year of our Lord, 2022. And I'd like to remind everyone that... Ain't but two genders. Two genders. Ain't nothing but men and women. That is going to be a new daily feature. We're going to remind everybody of that because the fight continues. And in fact, it really hasn't even been joined. Uh, There is a massive, massive rally against this perversion of little kids' minds that um, that is going on. We are we're going to fight back, and people haven't even seen the beginning of it yet. Now, having said that, let's also do our other important morning obligation. Let us stand, patriots, rise and face your flag if you have one. If you don't, that is all right. Go ahead and imagine one, though. I know you like to close your eyes and picture old glory flapping in the breeze. Put your hand on your heart and join us. If you are a believer that Tim Ryan is a moderate who supports cops, lower taxes, and a border wall and fracking, which is what he told you. 
he tried to tell a Fox News audience last night and Ohio voters, one of the most far left lunatics in Congress over the last 20 years, trying to rebrand himself as a Trump Republican for the purposes of this election. If you believe in that, then you don't believe in that flag. You don't believe in honesty or truth. You believe in crap. You are uh, exempted from the request to stand and pledge your allegiance to it. You may instead take a knee over there next to your favorite ex-quarterback and your favorite ex-WNBA player now working on a nine-year contract with the Russian national team. As for the rest of us, however... I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation... Under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah, it was was a comedy show last night for a half an hour, and then it was an inspirational show for the half hour after that. I'm speaking, of course, of the uh, Fox News debate. That was not debate. Beg your pardon. It was not a debate. They did not go head to head, face to face. It was Tim Ryan facing the questions from the voters and the follow ups from the moderators, Brett Baer and Martha McCallum, for thirty minutes, and then it was J.D. Vance's turn. J.D. just was, I think, the best I've seen him. He was confident. He was um, he was prepared. You know what's funny is he's a newbie. You know he's the rookie in the political world. He's never run for office before. Tim Ryan has run 10 campaigns. 10. Count them 10. Because he's been in the Congress for 20 years. 20 years. You have to run every two years. That's 10 campaigns by my math. Now, most people, well, I shouldn't say most, some people might not be able to do that math if they were in Ohio last year and in 2020 because you weren't allowed to be in school. Uh, and you probably fell behind very, very far the way uh, so many did, thanks to Mike DeWine. But I'll come back to that subject. But for ten year, uh, 20 years, Tim Ryan has been in office. He's had to run campaign after campaign after campaign. And it's bizarre, but he's the one who looks like the nervous, unprepared rookie. And J.D. Vance looks and sounds so incredibly seasoned. He looks like he is born for this. I remember during the primary season, and the multitude of debates that were held and appearances and so forth. And I remember, you know, watching, um, you know, Dolan was, you know, did some things. And, and Mike Gibbons and, and Josh Mandel had their turns at the top. And Jane Timken was always scrambling. I, I always remember this. The guy who seemed the most polished on that stage was the new guy. And it was, it was, uh, it was J.D. Vance. That doesn't mean he was the best guy in that field. But he emerged from that field as the best guy with the most votes. He got uh, he got uh, uh, Donald Trump's endorsement, and he brought that polished presentation of his that he has on the on the debate stage into the general election. And I'm telling you, every time he takes the stage, he looks and sounds even better. He's more prepared than Tim Ryan. He's being honest about who he is. He's being genuine about what he believes. Whereas Tim Ryan is trying to reimagine himself. Tim Ryan knows that the Democrats are getting shellacked in the polls and that their policies of soft on crime, hard on fossil fuels, soft on the southern border, um, pushing the climate agenda, uh, destroying the country by way of of 40-year high inflation. If he runs on the Democrats' platform that led to those disasters, he's done. He'll lose by 20 points. 
So what has he done over the course of this campaign? Tim Ryan has stood on TV, or he's gone on TV, and he stood on stages and on stumps and declared that he's not a real Democrat. I, 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 I disagreed with my party. That's why I sided with Trump on trade. Um, I disagreed with my party, and I sided with Trump on China. And, you know, we've got to stop this division where we're attacking the other party all the time. We've got to come together in unity and love, you see. And I, and I support police. We need more cops, not less. And I support fracking, not, not, not getting rid of fracking and attacking fossil fuels and natural gas. You know, like my vote for the Green New Deal, otherwise known as the Non-Inflation Reduction Act or the Inflation uh, Production Act. Unlike what my vote says there, I, I support fracking, you see. I mean, he's completely reinventing himself because he knows if he goes to the people with his honest, true beliefs and what he has voted, the way he has voted, the way he has uh, legislated over the course of the last 20 years, he's cooked. So he's tried to rebuild himself and rebrand himself. And I love the fact that J.D. Vance looks and sounds more seasoned as a professional legislator and campaigner than Tim Ryan does. And J.D. has never even done that before. So I want to give you a little bit, a little taste from last night. J.D. Vance in Columbus, Ohio, was asked about securing the southern border. What are some of the best man, best ways that you would, as a senator, look to secure and deal with our border crisis? Uh, this was the question. So two things we really need to do is we actually learned over the last six years border walls work. We need to finish the border wall and actually complete the southern border. Now... The, 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 the other crazy thing is that we know that the drug cartels are actually destabilizing Mexico. Like, our Mexican allies don't like what's going on with the cartels right now. I think they would love it if we declared the cartels a terrorist organization and actually brought the full force of American law against them. Now, fair, okay? Maybe Joe Biden doesn't want to do some of this stuff, but I actually think there's a good chance because, look, the country's not going in the right direction. I think probably 65% of people in the state of Ohio would say that Joe Biden's policies are not working for the state of Ohio. I think, I, I think that if we, if we get Republican majorities in Congress, the Democrats are going to be forced to work with us on a couple of things, okay? And we need to be willing to reach across the aisle and say, look, if you're willing to get things done for the, the sake of this country, of course we're willing to work with you. The immigration issue and the border crisis, and especially the energy crisis, I think those are two issues where Joe Biden and some of the Democrats might be willing to do some work with us. I hope that they will, because those are the two biggest crises, and they're the two most self-inflicted problems we have in our country right now. Well, he's right about that last part. Those are self-inflicted problems, and they are two of the biggest crises. I think it might be a little bit aspirational, and if I was talking to J.D. today, I would tell him this, and since I'm going to hopefully talk to him tomorrow, I will. I don't know that I would agree that that's something Joe Biden and the Democrats would want to work on because they have an opportunity now for two years to work on the southern border. They won't even visit it. They won't go see it. They cover their eyes when it's on TV, when uh, uh, Bill Malugin is is, is uh, covering it on Fox News. They got hundreds of people pouring across the river. We got them just, you know, just uh, completely making runs at the border. They just cover their eyes. Or close their eyes and cover their ears and they don't hear or see a thing. I don't think they want anything to do with it. But I hope J.D.'s right. I just question whether or not uh, they, they're really serious about that. Um, J.D. was asked last night by one of the questioners in the studio audience, studio audience um about the biggest threats to American democracy. Clearly, somebody wants him to talk about uh, his uh, belief that the 2020 election was stolen. 
And uh, American democracy is under attack, but not by Republicans. It's under attack by those who might steal elections. This was his response. I happen to think the biggest threat to American democracy today is big technology companies in bed with the communist Chinese who are censoring information about American politics. Completely concur with that. You want to talk about attacking American democracy, um, allowing Chinese communists and the federal government through the Department of Justice to work with and intimidate big tech companies. And and that's a little bit of back and forth, because they don't need much intimidation. They're willing to do this because they're far left anyway, but they're also being ordered to big tech companies to censor certain information that might be damaging to to Democrats like the Hunter Biden laptop, etc., um, while while censoring uh, information that might be positive for Republicans. That's an attack on democracy. That's a big deal, and they don't talk about that. They won't talk about that. J.D. brought that up yesterday, and I was glad about that. And I want to hit this one, too, because the abortion issue is a huge one. In fact, and I'll talk to Madison and Jesse Gilbert about, Gilbert about this as well, virtually Nan Whaley's commercials, Emilia Sykes's commercials, almost all of the Democrat commercials are about abortion. The opponent is pro-life. That means they're anti-woman. They've got nothing on inflation, on the border, on the economy, on, on crime. They've got nothing on those things. It's all they can fall back on is abortion, 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 abortion. And I think J.D. slammed this one out of the park. We should not in this country be aborting babies who can feel pain, who are fully formed. That's my view, and I'm certainly willing to support legislation that would make that a reality. And he, of course, was asked about the, you know, the call for a nationwide ban after 15 weeks. And by the way, 15 weeks is four months into a pregnancy. Babies are absolutely fully formed, capable of feeling pain. And yes, when they are dismembered in utero, um, it is a horrific, 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 torturous death that they are suffering. And so, yeah, I don't think it's extreme the way they're calling J.D. Vance to say, maybe we ought to consider that. In Ohio, of course, we have the heartbeat bill, so it's even earlier than that, which is better. Uh, but uh, J.D. Vance is not backing down from his pro-life stance, which is very, very important. Uh, let me get one more. What about voter integrity? What about election integrity? Can we trust our elections? J.D., what would you do to ensure that we can make sure that our elections are, are, uh, are just? And so let's just be clear about the things that I think we can do to make our elections a little bit more secure. I think, again, I think Ohio's in a great place, but I think some other states could do a lot of work here. One is, why don't we just have universal voter ID? You know, if, if you're going to vote, you ought to be able to present a voter ID. You know, 80% of Americans across different demographic groups, across political parties agree with that. And, 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 and I think that there are some common sense things that we can do to make our elections more secure, to make sure the world's greatest constitutional republic stays that way. And I think that advocating those common sense measures does not mean, as some p- folks in the media say, that you're somehow an election denier. I just want our elections to be as good as they possibly can be. It's not an election dire, and it's not a suppression of the vote. It is simple common sense. Require voter identification nationwide. Great stuff by J.D. Vance tonight. Let's take a time out here. We'll get to our newscast, and on the other side of the news, we'll talk about State Senator Christian, uh, uh, Kristen Rogner's campaign. She'll join us next on AM 1420. Christina, excuse me. Uh, Rogner will join us on AM 1420, The Answer. Must be some kind of way out of here. Say the joker to the thief. Building back bigger. Bigger and better and stronger. Always right with Bob France. Sometimes they say huge. On AM 1420. Really large. The answer. 
All right, 936. Welcome as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Big, big morning as we are now just six days away from deciding the future of this country. We're also deciding the future of the state. Some very important state races, judicial races. I have been just shouting uh, into the bullhorn as much as I can over the last few weeks about the importance of getting the uh, Ohio Supreme Court right making sure that Sharon Kennedy is the next Chief Justice of the Ohio Supreme Court, making sure that Pat Fisher and Pat DeWine uh, maintain their positions as Associate Justices. It's extraordinarily important for the state, as are some of these state, House, and Senate races. Joining us now is a member of the Ohio State Senate who is running for re-election to District 27, Christina Rogner, joining us once again on AM 1420, The Answer. It's been a minute or two, Christina Rogner. It's good to have you back. How are you? Thank you, Bob. It's great to be back. I'm doing right. very well. Well, I'm glad to hear that. So I, I was. You, let, let's expand upon that. I want to. I want to get your feelings on the state of your race against Patricia Getz now, with six days remaining. Well, with the redistricting, all of the races in Summit County, and that's where the 27th Senate District is. Uh, it's entirely contained in Summit County now. They're all going to be tight. Um, every whether every state rep race and uh, and my Ohio Senate race, they're. they're we're going to need every one of your voters or your listeners, Bob, to come out and, and vote. Well, there's no question about that, and we'll continue to encourage people to do that. Let's talk a little bit about um, about the party, uh, the Republican Party. I have been highly critical of the, the General Assembly as a whole, not because of each individual. That is not, of course, to a man or woman, but bigger picture. Uh, I feel like there are a lot of conservative principles that have not been met by the Ohio General Assembly, and I think there are a lot of rhinos who, quite frankly, have to go. I also think there are strong conservatives like you who need expanded roles. Um, how do you feel about the state of the 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 General Assembly as you go into this re-election campaign, or not go into it, but as you uh, get to the, near the end of this re-election campaign, do you feel strong about the Republican Party in the uh, legislature? I think, well, I think you said it well. I think there are a lot of um, conservatives that are there, uh, and there's certainly some that are more moderate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have been a champion for conservative causes for my entire time in the General Assembly, both eight years in the House and four years in the Senate, whether that is you know, from voting for uh, constitutional carry to being a champion for pro-life issues to defending women's sports. Uh, I'm also a supporter of um, you know, lower taxes, limited government, and fewer regulations. Uh, the last year and a half, I've had 10 bills passed and signed by the governor uh, advancing all of these principles. And, and so as a whole, uh, are they as conservative as I am? No, they're not, but they are certainly a heck of a lot better than the alternative. And and if you take a look over time, so like, for example, take the income tax. I mean, I would love to see us go to a flat tax and then eventually no income tax. Same. I'd like to have seen us do that on day one. But if you take a step back and you look over, like I've been in the General Assembly 12 years. When I first got in there, the income tax was around 7%. That was the highest. Now it's 3.99%. So it's a huge improvement. We went from nine brackets down to four. So we are getting closer to a flat tax. Um, with, with you know, with respect to uh, the issue of, of life, you know, you could have an abortion up until the day you gave birth um, when I was first elected, and, and now, you know, we've we've passed the heartbeat bill. So again, um, you know, it, it, it is it, sometimes it feels like herding cats, and and the, the, the uh, progress is not as fast as some of us would like it. Um, but over time, we are making strong progress on the issue of um, the Second Amendment. You know, you know, we've we've passed stand your ground. We've passed constitutional carry. Um, 
we've, we've done a lot uh, on all these issues. It's just slower than you or I would like, but right. um, but we certainly don't want to hand this back to the Democrats because they'll take it in the opposite direction. And they, too, have been masters of the incremental approach um, over time. Just look at what's happening, you know, to what the kids are learning in the schools, for example. I mean, and that's been a, uh, a recent battle cry of mine. You know, it's like we need to get parents involved. And parents have been involved in the last two years. That was a silver lining of the COVID pandemic. Uh, you know, so now, it's, you know, step up, take our country back, not just the federal offices and the state offices, but school boards, city councils, libraries. You know, we need people to get out of their comfort zone and run for office. Christina, Sorry, that was a uh, long answer to your quick question. Well, you know, and you, you covered a lot of ground there because um, you, you answered a lot of the questions that I was going to ask anyway, but I'll drill down deeper on those after I ask you about sure. one thing you didn't mention, which is very, very important to me, and I know a lot of Ohioans, and that is medical freedom. After what happened to us for two and a half years and uh, the extraordinary measures that were taken, which I think so many admit now, even those who may have supported it then, I, there was an article in The Atlantic calling for a, an amnesty on COVID actions that were taken during the two and a half years because, quote, we didn't know, so nobody should be blamed. And I call, you know what, on that because we did know. Many of us knew, and many of us were screaming across this country that kids were going to be hurt, that, that workers were going to be hurt. That, uh, yeah. that, uh, that business owners, 4,000 Ohio business owners lost their businesses never to reopen again, and tens of thousands more were right. on the brink of disaster. So medical right. freedom as it pertains to forced shots, uh, forced closures, um, uh, to, to the, the, you know, the masking things, closing down the schools. Can you give me, can you give me what, you know, what your plans are to make sure that we never go through that again as you go back to the Senate? Sure. Well, I'd like to just remind your listeners uh, back, if you guys remember, Senate Bill 311 was a bill that I sponsored to um, rein some of that in. That It was government overreach at yes. its worst, is what it was, right? I mean, from closing, shuttering the polls to closing the schools, shutting down businesses, the curfew. We had people, you know, stay-at-home orders. That was, it just wasn't right. And um, so there again, the General Assembly did step up. Um, I did sponsor a bill, Senate Bill 311, to sort of rein that in. It was it was vetoed, um, but then but then we came back and we did it again with Senate Bill 22, and we overrode a veto there. And then you did start to see um, the uh, all the statewide orders lifted. So, like the issue of taxes and and life and our Second Amendment, I mean, we are we made progress, but it's it's. It, it's like herding cats at times because it's, there's 99 reps, there's 33 senators, and, and oftentimes we don't see things happen as fast as we'd like. But I, I would like to remind your listeners that the General Assembly did take action there, and we took strong action, and, uh, and it really did help. Going forward, um, you've seen the, well, the CDC recommending that COVID vaccine for kids. Uh, I will tell you, I, well, here's, here's the good news. Um, in Ohio... We, you, we would have the General Assembly would have to take action to add that COVID vaccine to the list of required vaccines for Ohio schools, for example. Um, and I'm, I will never vote for that. And I'm pretty sure my Republican colleagues, uh, there wouldn't be enough of them to pass that either. Um, so yeah, so I, I don't see that happening. I really don't. You know, I, I, I want to believe that to be the case, too. We're talking with Christina Rogner, Ohio State Senator, District 27. Uh, and as she pointed out, districts being redrawn, she's entirely, or that district is entirely now in Summit County. And so she's running for re-election, and you should re-elect her. Make no mistake about that. Um, 
I, I want to believe that, too. Um, I would like to see that in writing. I would like to see that in, in legislation, that no shots will ever be mandated on any Ohio children as related to COVID-19. None of these profit shots, and I won't even call them vaccines, none of these profit shots, which is what they are, will be, ever be mandated on Ohio residents, citizens, children, uh, as a means of getting into school or anything like that. Is that legislation that we can, we can count on being uh, introduced and sponsored? Well, the, the interesting thing there is because it's the Ohio Revised Code, you can never say never. That's the problem. That's why elections are so important. I mean, we could we could uh, vote to put in, uh, you know, no COVID vaccines required. Um, but then the next General Assembly say we all get voted out, and then the next one comes in, they could in, 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 come turn around and institute it right away. So that that's. So, but what I can say is, as long as I'm in office, I would never, ever, ever vote for uh, adding COVID uh, vaccine to the list of required vaccines. And, and, and like I said, we would have to take action to add it to the list um, before it would ever be required. I'm glad you, well, yeah, and the CDC, of course. And, and I'll be, be quite honest with you, Christina, I, I don't trust the governor at all in this. Yeah. The CDC the CDC is, as you say, making the recommendation to add this to the list of scheduled vaccinations yeah. and inoculations, and it's going to be up to the states to do what they do. And I don't trust that Mike DeWine isn't going to push for making that happen because of what we've seen over the last two and a half years. So it's going to take strong Republicans like you to stand up to any suggestion that that be done in the state of Ohio and that would mean bucking the governor you and I and, and I know you're not afraid to do that but the question is is you know do we have enough do we have enough people to say uh, no we're not we're not letting that happen to our kids yeah um, well one thing I can say is it's gonna what's, what's on our side here is the fact that it takes again it takes action to require the COVID vaccine in Ohio mm-hmm. and the action being the General Assembly would have to vote to add it um, and, and sometimes I have noticed over the years it's, it's, it's harder for the General Assembly to take action than to not take action. Yeah, well, we've you know I've I mean? seen that, so too. That, yeah, I've seen that, yeah. too, in a number of ways over the last couple of years, yeah. Uh, yeah Christine, I'm yeah. glad you brought up education, and I'm glad you brought up parents, uh, and, because that is so important. You, you, you probably are watching the Board of Education uh, situation. Uh, you know, the Title IX resolution from the from the federal government says if you don't uh, let boys go into girls' locker rooms, shower rooms, play on You even mentioned girls' sports a few moments ago. If you don't allow those things, we're going to starve your poor kids. We're going to we're we're going to cut funding for reduced and free lunches and breakfasts for uh, the impoverished kids in your state. It's it's disgusting. It's reprehensible. So Brennan Shea, one of, member of the uh, Board of Education, introduced a resolution saying, "Yeah, we're not going to tell our school districts they have to do that. We'll 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 challenge and we'll fight the uh, the federal government on that." Can you tell me where you are on that, and do you think? that uh, there is enough support to, you know, if, if indeed this comes down to it, uh, uh, in the Republican Party, in the General Assembly, and through the governor, uh, do you think that they will stop that? Oh, I, I can tell you where I am. I mean, that's an easy one. <clears throat> Look at Senate Bill uh, 132. That's the Senate Bill that I've introduced, and there is also uh, the similar bill over in the House mm-hmm. that uh, would just say, it says, biological boys can't play, can't play in these girls' sports. It's, it's, it's quite simple. Um, so certainly that's where I stand, and, and I do believe a majority of my colleagues um, feel the same way, as do a majority of Americans. 
um, you know, boys and the, girls. The Save, the save Women Sports Act. Yeah, the Save Women Sports Act you're talking about, I completely concur and I agree with. I don't know if that goes any further to the other things, though, to the, you know, the shower rooms, the changing rooms, the bathrooms, the pronoun game, and all of this other stuff that's going on. I, I, I just think it's extraordinarily important. And this is, again, what yeah. this is a parents' rights issue, I think, much more than anything else. Uh, you know, we need, we need our legislature, I believe, yeah. uh, leaders yeah, you like know, you I, to I tell, to that. tell the, to tell the schools your job is to educate the kids, not raise them, not define their values. That's right. That's right. Yeah. No, we want <laughs> we want the school to teach them reading, writing, and arithmetic, and and not uh, indoctrinate them in any way. I mean, I, and this is not just pervasive um, through elementary school and and in high school, but certainly, I mean, universities and colleges are, are the worst offenders. I mean, I have a daughter in college, out of state, um, and just last this last spring. Uh, she was on the rowing team, and someone asked my daughter, um, where is, I'll make up a name, Julie, right? And um, my daughter says she's on the bus. And next thing you know, my daughter is getting a call from the dean of students um, saying you're being brought up on a sexual misconduct charge. What? And my daughter's like, what? And my daughter's the most respectful, kindest, lo- most loving person you're ever going to meet. And it turns out the sexual misconduct charge was my daughter did not say they, them, because that's what Julie wants to be referred to. So this turns into an entire uh, an investigation that went on through the whole summer about this one misuse of pronouns. Well, actually, in my daughter's case, she used the right pronouns, but because it was right. a girl. Right, uh, right. Yeah. And, and, yeah, no, yeah. And, 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 you know, and, and, and I'm glad you're, you're bringing that up from the higher education standpoint because you're right. That's where it's worst. But... It, the worst threat is the fact that they're not just doing this to 18 to 22 year olds in college. Now they're doing it to five year olds. Now they're yeah. telling little boys and little girls they have to make up words uh, or use yeah. made up words to describe somebody else's fantasy uh, uh, pronoun. Yeah. And uh, and if they don't, they're the ones who are going to get thrown out of school, or they're the ones who are going to be um, uh, have marks on their academic records. They're doing Bob, this to I, our I little tell children. You a quick story. Now. Yeah. Um, so Bob, um, so I was knocking on doors um, just well a couple two about two weeks ago. I was knocking on a on the door for the campaign and outcomes. And I could tell it was, it was, it was a Democratic voter from the information I have as we go to the door. Uh, and she comes out and um, uh, she said, you know, I am, I've been Democrat my whole life, but I am never going to vote for a Democrat again. I'm like, oh, well, that's great news, but could you tell me why? And she said, I have a first grader who was at school and they had a substitute teacher. And the substitute teacher was clearly a woman but was trans and wanted the first grader to call her, and I'll again make up a name, Mr. Smith. Right. Right. And, and the, but the first grader kept calling her Mrs. Smith, got the girl in trouble. I mean, sent the girl to the principal's office. They called the parents mm-hmm. and, 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 and they were at school explaining to this girl about transgenderism. And this poor mother was furious. She was like, what on earth are they talking about transgenderism to my First grade, therefore, she goes. I've been a lifelong Democrat, never voting Democrat again. You know, that's a terribly sad story. Good story that she's never going to vote Democrat again. Sad that it had to come to that as the reason why. But, 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 Mm -hmm. you know, that's where we are. This is, you know, people like to call this the culture wars and kind of almost diminish the importance of it by saying it's just culture. But it is literally, um, defining how uh, a generation of children, particularly the young Gen Zers, think, uh, and whether or not they're allowed to be intellectually honest, whether or not, whether or not they're allowed to respect biology as opposed to somebody's feelings. These things matter. So my last question 
question for you on this front, uh, Christina Rogner. We're talking to Christina Rogner, who wants to be reelected to District 27 as uh, in the Ohio Senate, and you should elect her, reelect her. Um, is there a legislative fix to this, or is it always just going to be up to individual boards of education in the districts? Is it going to be up to the State Board of Education? Is there a legislative fix to this to stop people from having to, you know, and like the little girl that you just talked about, they're having to go through this? Well, I think it's a, it's going to, it's a multifaceted solution. Um, first and foremost, Ohio is a local control state, and, 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 it's, and that's in many ways a good thing, right? So, because we want uh, the people in every community to be able to reach out to their representatives. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think the best solution is going to be community by community. Uh, people get out of their comfort zones, and they they go they become teachers. They become substitute teachers. They get run for a school board if you're not happy with your current school board. Um, and you you get out you really truly get out of your comfort zone and take action because as conservatives far too long we've been conservative we we just we work hard we pay our taxes we keep take care of our family but we're not good at really at getting out there into the world because sometimes it's uncomfortable so that's first and foremost um, secondly in terms of what can the general assembly do um, with the state school board half of the members are elected and and the other portion they're appointed by the governor and then confirmed by the senate. So I know um, as a Senate, we are taking a good, hard look and have sent a message that we, you know, we only want uh, school, state school board members that are interested in excellence in education and not indoctrination. So, um, so that's what we certainly can do there. I know there's also been some legislation introduced in, um, over in the House, and we can, we can always pass that. But I think the most effective thing is... is just like the liberals have done it over the last couple of decades, they have taken over our schools. We need to do the same thing in reverse and yeah. take them back. And our I do country's think, worth fighting for. And I do think that started last year. We had a lot of people calling us and telling us about uh, parents running for school boards, and so many of them were successful. Some of them weren't, but they have put the school boards on notice that they're coming for their jobs, the board members, if they don't uh, mm-hmm. you know, stop the indoctrination and get back to actually educating mm-hmm. our kids. So, yeah, but uh, it's also the, the, the teachers and substitute teachers. Get out, get out there, and and that then too. Yep. become yep. a substitute teacher. Get yep. into school. Yeah, well, that that's that it does. It takes people getting involved and, as you say, st- stepping out of their comfort zone and doing something maybe they hadn't thought of before because they or hadn't really mm-hmm. maybe uh, it didn't think they could do before, even if they had thought of it, uh, because it is that essential. Christina okay. Rogner, uh, we have been uh, pushing and pushing and pushing for Republicans to replace Democrats who are harming our state. I want to replace Republicans who are not conservative as well. You are both conservative and Republican. We appreciate you and respect you, and I want you to win again. And I want you to be a leader in the United or in the Ohio Senate going forward, so that we can make some of these <laughs> things you. reality. Thank you for coming Thank on. You, Best of luck in the last six days, and we'll uh, we'll help you celebrate uh, coming up on uh, next Tuesday. I appreciate that, Bob. Thanks. You guys have a blessed day. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Christina Rogner joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. She's a state senator you can count on. That's a good thing. There just aren't enough of them that you can count on. Too many Republicans you cannot, unfortunately. So we need to make sure uh, that we counterbalance the weak ones with the strong ones and make sure Christina Rogner stays right where she is in the in the uh, Ohio Senate. 955, quick time out, back on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. After this. Yeah. When she is lonely, hell along 
You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Nine minutes after 10 o'clock, and hour number two is underway on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Good Wednesday to you. It's the second morning of the 11th month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Thanks again to Christina Rogner, running for uh, re-election in Ohio, uh, in the Ohio Senate in District 27. This is a new district, re- newly redrawn anyway, uh, and this one is for the United States House of Representatives. 13 is an open and competitive seat because Tim Ryan, you know, I don't have a lot, a lot of nice things to say about Tim Ryan. Uh, I think he's going to get his clock cleaned on Tuesday by J.D. Vance, and I think he's deserved, particularly for his dishonesty about who and what he is. But I will thank him for vacating his seat in the House to run for the Senate. That leaves it open, and there's an opportunity to turn a seat red there. After the 2020 redistricting, the 13th District, uh, which used to be Solid Democrat is now wide open and running for that seat are Democrat Amelia Sykes and my next guest. She is Trump endorsed and she is endorsed by a whole lot of the most powerful conservatives, not just in Ohio, but in this country. And she is Madison Jessiato Gilbert joining us now on AM 1420. The answer. Madison, good morning. How are you? Good morning. So great to be with you this morning. I'm doing great. Good to talk to you. I've got so many questions for you. From uh, Most of them uh, driven by the television commercial campaigns from Amelia Sykes and also some of your own. And I want to get into the issues, but the, the most important one that I have to, I need to get you on the record. You have to explain yourself about this, okay? It's really important. Now, you're an Ohio girl. Where were you born? I was born in Pittsburgh. My dad was actually finishing school at the time, and so we moved to Ohio when I was two. So I don't really so, remember so much. So you're so you're an Ohioan, right? So I mean, you, you've been Ohioan here since two. Life. You're yeah. an Ohioan, right? I think you're, it counts. Yeah, <laughs> it matters. It really matters that you're an Ohioan first and foremost, because now you have to explain yourself. You went and married a stealer? Are you kidding me? How in the world can you tell Ohio voters uh, how do you justify marrying a stealer for crying out loud? So being born in Pittsburgh and having my mom have been from Pittsburgh, we grew up Steelers fans, even though I lived in Ohio my whole life. So I have a fair excuse uh, and obviously super proud of everything my husband did with the Steelers for eight years. He was there for eight seasons. He's a good football player. It's just that he's wearing the wrong uniform. And you're an Ohio girl now. Now let's, I get it. I get the roots. In fact, I, I share that with you, Madison. My mother and father were both born in western Pennsylvania. And so my father was okay. a Steelers fan, and he tried to raise me as one. It didn't take. Because uh, so, <laughs> I was an Ohio guy. So here we are. But, Fair uh, enough. But anyway, now just a little levity there to start this out. Congratulations to you and your husband uh, and your family. So, Madison, um, let's, let's start off with... Um, with the commercials, um, I, I find, and it's not just your race. I find this to be very interesting in the governor's race, for example. Um, any of the uh, 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 camp or the uh, commercial campaigns against Nan Whaley, we talk about or they talk about um, a majority of issues. Talk about inflation. Talk about jobs. Talking about energy. Talking about this, that, and the other thing. Same thing for you when you're running campaign commercials. But when Nan Whaley runs her governor uh, campaign commercials, when Amelia Sykes runs her commercials, the 
the subject is always the same. It's a one-trick pony. It's all about the fact that you're pro-life, that Mike DeWine is pro-life, that um, you know the other side is anti-woman because you're pro-preborn child. This seems to be the only thing that they can run on. Have you heard any any ideas or any um, uh, 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 other other issues that have been discussed by your opponent in, in this race, or is it just that you're too extreme, Madison Jesse Otto Gilbert, because you like babies? You know, to be honest, we don't even see my opponent out on the trail ever, so we don't hear her say much of anything. So when it comes to the commercials, I think you see it going on not only here in Ohio, but nationwide. The Democrats have absolutely no record to run on right now. They don't have the policies that align with the concerns of people here in the state or across the country. So they're pretty much throwing anything at a wall and hoping it sticks, and it's simply not working. I mean, you look at the polling. We've looked at polling here, and abortion just isn't the top issue. So it's not going to impact voters. I I talk to people. I'm out, as you know, every single day. Mm -hmm. I had a baby less than six weeks ago, and and a month ago I was already back out on the trail. I'm talking to voters every day across the district. And people say the same thing from all the way back in the you know winter of last year when I started campaigning until now. They're worried about the cost of groceries. They're worried about the cost of gas. They can't afford, and they're making decisions that they simply weren't making two, three years ago. So people are fed up. They want leadership. They want people who are going to listen, that are going to put the constituents first. And they want people, of course, that are going to be focused on the economic issues, that are going to be focused on energy independence, and, of course, those crime numbers that we're seeing go up and up, unfortunately, in Akron and Canton especially. Well, I'm so glad to hear you explain all of that because um, I, first of all, I didn't realize she wasn't out there knocking doors or doing any, uh, you know, uh, uh, events in the district to to try to generate support for her campaign. But what you just said is spot on. It was the point I was making. She has no position. I think most Democrats find themselves in a very strange place. They cannot defend what the Democrat Party has done to this country, uh, and certainly to the state of Ohio and even to the district uh, over the course of the last two years of the Biden administration and full Democrat control. So all they can do is go to the abortion card and say, hey, if you want free access, or not free, but if you want to maintain access to kill your baby as a form of birth control, uh, vote for me. If you if you want to lose that, uh, you know, that opportunity, then then vote for Madison Jesse Otto Gilbert and others like her. Well, and uh, you know, you have a, a funny thing I'll bring up on that point, too, is even my, for my example, in my race, my opponent was caught deleting a tweet where she previously was praising Joe Biden on his great economic leadership, which is hilarious, because even the Democrats <laughs> now are running. They're running from their own record. They're running from their lack of awareness of what the heck's going on. I mean, you look around, if you're actually out there and you're talking to people, you would know how bad it is. And I think they're starting to realize when they look at their own polling numbers, likely, that this just isn't the message people are res- that is resonating with people, and hence why I think they're trying to backtrack on what they've said themselves. We're talking with Madison Jessiano Gilbert. She is the Republican candidate for uh, the congressional seat in in uh, District 13. Amelia Sykes is her Democrat opponent. She's already in the Ohio State House. Is Amelia Sykes? Madison, what are you doing here? You've got a you've got a, a wonderful life. You've got a, a law degree. You could be practicing law. Why did you decide I want to get into the House of Representatives? I want to go and serve the people. You know, I've been involved on the other end of things for over 10 years now. I have knocked the doors. I've made the phone calls. I've donated my money, uh, you know, to help other candidates get elected in state, local, and federal offices. And quite honestly, in both parties, in, in many respects, I think people feel disappointed. And I started to feel that way sometimes. I felt like we worked so hard and people promise us the world and they never do what they say they're going to do. And you look at what's going on in the country and it really breaks your heart. I love where I'm from. I love this community. I love the people. I love the businesses. I'm a small business owner myself and an attorney, as you mentioned. And 
I just felt like, you know, instead of sitting around and complaining, and I'll tell you, my husband got real sick of me sitting around and complaining, <laughs> I decided to be a part of the solution, and I jumped in the race. We won a seven-way primary. We won every county in the district in May, which I was very proud of in a competitive primary like that, and we've been working hard ever since. Like, when we talk about what my grassroots team has done, I'm so incredibly proud because we have knocked more doors and made more phone calls than any other congressional race in either party across the entire state of Ohio. My team has knocked well over 300,000 doors and made over a million phone calls. I mean, we're out there doing the old school grassroots campaigning, which I really think there's nothing that can replace that. And obviously there's, you know, ads and all the stuff that's important in campaigns as well. But I really think what's going to push us over the finish line next Tuesday is, is the hard work that we put in from very early on. We're talking with Madison Jessiato Gilbert. You need to support her and vote for her for Congress in District 13. If you're in that district, it's extremely important. Obviously, we need majorities in the House and in the uh, and in the Senate to try to stop the uh, the train wreck that is this economy, that is the inflation, that is the lower wages, that is the uh, uh, energy crisis, and so forth. So, Madison. Um, your top issues, you, you talked about some of the things that the people whose doors you are knocking on face. We're talking about, you know, gas costs. We're talking about grocery costs. We're talking about clothing costs. Um, what about the other issues in terms of the culture? A lot of people call them the culture wars. I just talked to Christina Rogner about this. The uh, state of education is in a very serious, it's in flux right now, I think is a way to say it, um, between indoctrination and education. Some things that we have never faced before in terms of what we're, uh, what, uh, some on the left are trying to do to our kids, over-sexualize them at a very young age, try to talk them into sexual orientation or identification or gender identification things, again, in ages where they are far too young to even think about such things. Do you have a thought on what can be done from a legislative aspect, if you make it to the Congress, to protect kids and parents' rights to make sure they make these decisions about what their kids are exposed to rather than the schools? Yeah, I think you see the Republican Party as a whole has now come together, which is very important because one representative can't do anything alone. And so I think we see a lot of cohesion among Republicans right now with the commitment to America. And we're talking across the country about, you know, what are our goals and having a parent's bill of rights and is obviously part of that. And you've heard Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise and, and many other members of leadership within the party talk about it. And we're talking about, you know, we want an economy that's strong, a nation that's safe, a future that's built on freedom, a government that's accountable. Uh, you know, in, from my perspective, I think there's some that can be done at the federal level, but I think a lot of this needs to be done at the state and local level. Um, I, I just don't believe in the federalization of education. It's very difficult for someone in Washington to tell a child or a parent in Ohio or California or Nevada or, you know, somewhere else in the country, you know, how to educate their children. And so I think locally we need to see more done. And I think also we need people to be getting more involved, and we're seeing that. I mean, we saw what happened in Virginia uh, during the Yonkin election, we're seeing a lot of these school board meetings where parents are starting to stand up and recognize what's going on, which is wonderful, but we need more and more of that to happen across the country, where parents are getting actively involved in their children's education, getting actively involved in knowing what's going on in the school. It's a shame that, you know, we're at a point where we have to worry about some of this, but it is the reality. And so I think the more parents that get involved, the better off we'll be. And um, the more that can be done locally, I think the more of an impact we'll have. We're talking to Madison Jesse Otto Gilbert this morning. Um, as I was doing my homework and preparing for this interview, I, I checked out on Facebook, and uh, you posted yesterday uh, a chart, uh, statistics, uh, of the number of fentanyl deaths in America and the amount of fentanyl being seized at the southern border. Can you speak to that and, and I guess, bigger picture on immigration and the porous, open southern border as a whole? No, it's, it's just absolutely horrific. I've been talking about it for years. I mean, 
back in 2018 and 2019, I was going on CNN quite frequently debating people on this topic, and it's only gotten worse, and we've seen how incredibly worse it's gotten under the Biden administration. Uh, you know, what we need to do, first and foremost, is secure the southern border, period. People talk about, oh, well, you know, you can't discriminate against who comes over the border. No, we can have a closed border. We need to talk about not just who's coming over the border, but what is coming over the border. And that fentanyl is, a, I think, the best example of that, uh, not only killing a ridiculous number of Americans, but, you know, so much fentanyl is coming over that we just simply don't know about that has the potential to kill even more. Uh, it's a total crisis, and we need to do more. This should be a bipartisan issue. I think it's obscene that it's not a bipartisan issue because nothing about what's going on is okay, especially when you look at states like Ohio that long before now were ravaged uh, by the drug crisis and the opioid epidemic. And then you saw some progress. I mean, we saw a decline in those numbers in 2017, 2018, 2019. And then the past you know couple years have been just awful again, and we're going back in the opposite direction. That's not what we want to see. Every single one of us in the state of Ohio either has been impacted by this directly or knows somebody who's lost a loved one or family member as a result of this. And so it's been it's been hard, you know, looking around in the community and, you know, once again seeing where, you know, we known people that had been clean for some time that are now unfortunately back on drugs and, you know, right. they can lose their lives or you know, this can not only, even if you, you know, survive and you maybe get out, it can destroy families and destroy communities. And it's just really really sad to see and i think we need to do a lot more on this issue and securing the borders that first step uh, madison jesse Otto gilbert is my guest last question for you madison i really appreciate you coming on you're articulating your viewpoints so well and uh, i think they're the viewpoints of most of this listening audience and certainly of republicans across the board but let me ask you one more hold the music for a second there if you would josh um back to the abortion issue that i started with because of amelia sykes campaign the the on on television campaign, as you point out, she's not in, actually in person. But uh, there's a line there's a line in one of the commercials that she has used, which I think is very very strong, and it's very very damning, and it's very very accusatory, and it may be very very slanderous. And I want you to speak to it. In one of her uh, anti pro life and yes pro abortion spots, she claims, or they claim, the announcer does that Madison Jessiato Gilbert said that if it comes down to a mother dying or, uh, uh, or having the abortion, that the mother should die. Now, I have been looking all over the Internet trying to find evidence that you said anything of the sort. I can find nothing. Um, can you speak to that accusation that they made about you? Yeah, that's right, because there is nothing. I'm not sure where they got that, but it's certainly not from my mouth or anything I've written. Uh, it's unfortunate. You see the lies over and over again, not just on the abortion ads, but you're seeing them run ads about me saying, I want to raise taxes or that I want to cut Medicare, which is just insane. Uh, you look at anything that I've put out as well as what we're putting out as a party. Number one, I support preserving and protecting Medicare and Social Security. Always have. never. I've never flip-flopped on any of these issues, to be honest with you, Bob. But And then on top of that, when you talk about tax taxes, I've been a big promoter of tax cuts over and over again for the past 10 years. So very inaccurate on the abortion issue as well as the others. Yeah, and I have no doubt of that. Um, like I said, but it's just there are some things when you hear them, you just kind of like your jaw drops. Like, did she say, did they say what I think they just said? And I kind of feel mm -hmm. like, I, I just feel like slander suits are coming. Uh, defamation, of, I know politics is a dirty business, and I know people say things and accuse their opponents of things all the time, but some things cross the line, and I feel like that crossed the line. You are pro-life, but you are not let a woman die if she's, if she's going to, you know, if, she, if her literal life is in, in jeopardy. Um, uh, you, know, right. and, 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 you know, with an abortion pending, uh, you know, that she should just die 100%. and make that baby live. Yeah, it's just, it, there's some things that go too far, and I feel like you've been slandered, and I just uh, want 
wanted to hear you hear your response to that because uh, that's just the worst of politics. That. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, it Madison. Really you're, you're doing a great job. You're running a great campaign. I love the fact that you've got not only the president's endorsement, but you've got endorsements from Mike Pompeo, and you've got him Steve Scalise and uh, John uh, or, uh, Kevin McCarthy and uh, Tim Scott, Rob Portman, all of these people coming together to support new blood, new conservative blood to help restore the foundational principles of this country. Madison Jesse Otto Gilbert for Congress in District 13. I, I hope everybody gets out there and supports you, and I wish you the very best. Thank you so much. Great to be on with you and appreciate your time. Thank you. God bless. All right, there's uh, Madison Jesse Otto Gilbert. I told you we're candid heavy today. Uh, we may have another one coming up here at 1035. I'll let you know if that happens. Uh, if not, we got Jack Gilbert coming up at 1110 to break down last night's Senate uh, town hall meeting in Columbus. And we'll also have open phone line opportunities for you. 216-901-0945. We'll be back. Okay, 1035, we continue now. <clears throat> Excuse me. On Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Uh, thanks again to Christina Rogner and Madison Jessiato Gilbert joining me this morning as their campaigns uh, hit this stretch run six days to go until we reclaim this country in the name of the Constitutional Republic it was founded as. Um, if you're tuning in to hear J.D. Vance right now, I mentioned this at the top of the show, um, that the social media posts I posted last night had to be altered. I texted with J.D. after his performance. I basically just messaged him to congratulate him for the grand slam that he hit last night. And it was. He was the best I have seen him yet, and he was terrific in the second debate. He was good in the first debate. He was great in the second debate, and I thought last night in the town hall format, he was outstanding. So I just congratulated him, but we got to chatting, and uh, he wanted to come on again. Uh, and uh, we thought we had 1035 set up, but then his schedule or rescheduling other things. So long story short, uh, he's going to be on with us tomorrow. We'll have the time uh, announced as soon as I can. But if you tuned in to hear J.D. right now because of my social media posts, uh, not so much. By the way, if you have not yet considered rejoining Twitter the way I did, uh, now that it is under new leadership, new management, free speech is being protected. You don't have to worry about community standards and shadow bans and suspensions and so forth. Uh, follow me there. I am now on um, uh, Twitter once again for the first time in about four years. So you can follow me there at Always Right Radio, Always Right Radio. Uh, I would very much love to talk to you. Uh, and uh, keep up great correspondence. I'm already. It's so fun because uh, you know I'm I'm being followed by, you know Larry Elder and Hugh Hewitt and uh, uh, Brandon Tatum and JD Vance and uh, so many other heavy heavy hitters in the social media world. I'm able to communicate with a ton of people and get a lot of great ideas, a lot of great answers to the questions I'm asking and more. 
uh, and uh, share them as well. So if you want to get on Twitter, uh, it is not the same leftist hellhole that it was before. That's not to say it can't get better, and I think Elon Musk is going to make it better. <clears throat> but it is not the same Silicon Valley leftist uh, you know, echo chamber where conservatives are being silenced that it was before. So I'm, an, I'm now on Twitter at Always Right Radio. You can also look at at France on Air, at France on Air, and find me there. So I want to go back to... Um, and by the way, we don't have a guest now because, as I just pointed out, we're not going to talk to J.D., so we are guest-free for the next 23 minutes until the top of the hour. 216-901-0945. We'll put you on the radio. 888-281-1110. Anything you heard from the interviews with uh, Rogner or, or Jesse Otto Gilbert or any of the things from last night in the town hall you want to talk about, I'll take your calls. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. In the open... Of the broadcast this morning, uh, in the 9 o'clock half hour, until 9.30, I was playing you some clips from J.D. Vance last night, in which, again, he hit home runs. I'm going to give you the other side a little bit now. I want, I want you to hear a little bit about what Tim Ryan, the far-left 20-year socialist in Congress who votes with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, and thus Joe Biden, 100 per, not 97% of the time, 100% of the time, who now wants you to believe that he's a pro-cop, pro-fracking, pro-American energy expansion and exploration, <laughs> um, anti-Green uh, New Deal, uh, you know, pro-Trump Republican, essentially. Uh, now that he wants you to, to try to believe your, you know, don't believe your own lying eyes, um, I want you to listen to a little bit about what he said last night about the scourge of dangerous and deadly drugs in the United States. A quick follow-up on that. You have said in the past that you would be for eliminating cash bail. And a lot of people see people getting arrested. The next day they're back on the street again. You also said that you thought that nonviolent criminals should be released from prison. And a lot of people fall into that nonviolent category. Uh, including drug traffickers, including drug possession, including people who distribute child pornography. So all those people should be let out? Well, what I'm talking about here is marijuana crimes. I think we need to legalize marijuana. I think... Well, you said all nonviolent criminals out for sure. I'm sorry? You, you don't act like you didn't hear her. I'm sorry? Thank you, Martha McCallum, for jumping right on that. He didn't just say pot users. We should let the potheads off. He said all nonviolent offenders should be released from prison. He said all, all nonviolent criminals well, out. I, I sure. think the focus is marijuana crimes, in my mind, right? We spend, this, is, this may be the stupidest expenditure of federal, of federal money and in, in public taxpayer money in the history of our country. You get caught with marijuana, then you end up in prison. That is a flat-out falsehood. That is just another flat-out demon rat lie. A steaming pile of demon rat. You are not going to prison if you're caught with a small amount of marijuana. Hell, you're not even going to prison if you are dealing marijuana on a low level. The only people end up in prisons... We're not talking about doing uh, a couple of days in the in the county lockup while your case is dismissed and you get probate probation. Prisons? 
The only way you're doing that is if you're dealing it by the pound, if you're dealing it by the truckload or the trunk load. This is just such a lie, and look what he's trying to do. He's already done it. Worked on me. I'm talking about marijuana now. He didn't say marijuana. His statement was all nonviolent offenders. And, and that is insane for us. We should take, we should tax the marijuana, and we should put it into addiction treatment. We should use it to keep fentanyl and these hardcore drugs out of our country, out of our How is legalizing weed going to keep fentanyl out of our country? You oily, slimy Democrat. How do you make that leap? Our society, we should invest in the shop class. We should invest into early childhood education. There's How do you get to early childhood education when the question was about you saying all nonviolent offenders need to be released from prisons? So many better ways to spend this money than locking somebody up for marijuana crimes, and especially when, when white and black people use marijuana equally. Black people are six times more likely to go to prison. Also a load of crap. It is about amount and possession, not possession, but intent to distribute and deal. It is not about nobody's going to prison for the for possessing small amounts of pot, white or black. Like, that's an unfair system. I'm sorry. It's just... And the question was about releasing nonviolent offenders. The guy who went on that uh, debate, on the debate stage, and last night on the, um, uh, on the uh, town hall stage for Fox News in Columbus with J.D. Vance following him, that guy um, wants to not only release prisoners, non, what he calls nonviolent prisoners, and I don't believe there is a nonviolent uh, prisoner in the uh, drug trade because violence is committed in the, in the uh, entire chain of getting that drug into your hands, but um, he wants cash bail to be eliminated. You know how issue one is so important in this state? Issue one is extremely important because it requires judges to consider not just flight risk of a violent offender, but also the safety of the community and his criminal history in, uh, in, de- in determining bail. He doesn't want there to be any bail whatsoever. No cash bail at all. How do we know? Again, he ran for president laughably a couple of years ago. So a good portion of people who are in jail right now are their pre-trial, right? People who have not been convicted, they retain their presumption of innocence. Um, and we're seeing states end cash bail state by state. Would you support that yeah. nationally? Yeah, I think the bail system is inherently unfair. Uh, and it, what it does is it just it sets people down a spiral of not being able to go to work, not being able to take care of the kids. Then you have because, to- you know, all of those violent offenders who rape and assault and burglarize and carjack are really worried about getting up and going to work the next day and making sure their kids have their lunches packed and getting off to school. And, you know, we can't be holding them in a jail cell for the violent crime they committed because, you know, it puts, puts them down a spiral um, and by the way, Tim Ryan isn't unique in that regard. This is why it is so important for us to take back uh, control of the House and control of the Senate and control of as many states as we can from the legislative level to the gubernatorial level, because Democrats all across this country believe in the same thing. Release the violent criminals to hell with their victims.
we could release a third of our inmates and not make anyone less safe. Do you commit to cutting incarceration by 50% if elected? We can do it more than that. Do you believe, as some of them did, that we can over a period of years, cut our inmate population by one half, Mendoza? Oh, absolutely. Do you commit to decreasing a federal prison population by 50%, yes or no? I am committed to drastically reducing our prison population. We can make our community safe. We want to get all the nonviolent criminals out. Sure. I'm all for it. Nobody should be in jail for a nonviolent crime. Reducing prison populations is now sexy. It's now a thing that leading candidates are talking about. We could call one third of our prison population out of jail and not make anyone less safe. And I don't know why we all wouldn't want that. Can you can you wrap your brain around that? Because I can't with mine. Prominent Democrats who are candidates all over this country. There was Fetterman, there was Mandela Barnes, well there was Biden of course there, there was Tim Ryan. That's just a 50-second clip of multiple Democrats saying, yes, release the prisoners. And you know what this is, don't you? Please tell me you understand this is nothing but an attempt to try to curry favor with minority voters. Because the entire message is there are too many minorities in the prisons particularly for nonviolent crimes, and if we release half of them, well, it's going to be releasing a majority of minorities. And that's whose votes we are trying to gain. That's what this is all about at its core. It's about equity in the criminal justice system. There are too many minorities in jails and in prison, so we need to release them. And it's the same reason they want to bring uh, millions in across the southern border. The belief is as soon as they get their voting rights or their voting rights back in the case of the felons, which is the other part of what they're trying to do, they'll all vote Democrat. That is their mission. Tim Ryan is no different. Tim Ryan, as a matter of fact, was, was one of the ones in that clip where he said, yes, release uh, all nonviolent prisoners. Joe Biden, release all nonviolent prisoners. What's nonviolent mean? As Martha McCallum said, producers of child pornography, traffickers of child pornography, traffickers of drugs, heroin dealers, nonviolent, just made a sale. Who cares who it's killing? Who cares who it's getting addicted? whose addictions are being fed, is nonviolent, let them go. That's what Tim Ryan believes. So I got a message, and this is very, very important. And by the way, you know, John Fetterman is just as bad. You look at these two individuals. I have to watch my language. You look at Fetterman in Pennsylvania and Tim Ryan here, both of whom want to be in the United States Senate. Between the two of them, they want to release as many felons as possible. Now, in Fetterman's case, he wants violent criminals, murderers released. In Ryan's case, he wants everybody committed, uh, convicted of nonviolent crimes to be released. They both have made their statements. But the bottom line is, these individuals are soft on the issue of drugs. And, and Madison Jesse Otto Gilbert and I just talked about this, the amount of fentanyl and the amount of other uh, drugs that are killing people in this country. They want to sw- swamp the country with it. That's not an exaggeration. Fetterman says decriminalize not just marijuana the way Tim Ryan did, but also uh, 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 decriminalize uh, meth, 
heroin and fentanyl. I applaud Oregon for the step they took this last election, you know, decriminalizing small amounts of drugs um, and realizing that you can't you can't arrest your way out of addiction. And if you criminalize addiction, you have what we have. And that is, you know, one of the core tenets of mass incarceration. One of the core tenets of mass incarceration is not people being in jail for small amounts of drugs. But when people are dealing the heroin, the fentanyl, and the meth, and you call it nonviolent, and Tim Ryan calls it nonviolent, and therefore they don't go to prison, you create more addicts because you're getting more of those drugs in more people's hands, right or wrong. And that's why, and this is my message, I'm still online arguing with some conservative Republicans on behalf of J.D. Vance. There are still too many Republicans who can't let go of what J.D. Vance said about Trump in 2016 when he said he might have to hold his nose and vote for Hillary Clinton. They can't let go of his previous statements. And they're willing to not vote for him or Ryan which, of course, is a vote for Ryan, just on that principle. And I'm telling you something right now. If you sit this election out and you leave that spot blank on your, on your uh, uh, ballot, you will be contributing to the destruction of this country by handing control of the Senate to the Democrats. If Tim Ryan wins a seat and there's two blue senators from Ohio, Sherrod Brown and Tim Ryan, and you contribute to their 51 or 52 Senate majority, Senate seat majority, you will have signed the country over to the Democrats, not just for two more years until the next election cycle, but forever. Forever. Because they will immediately abolish the filibuster, change the voting rules, change the number of states, Change the number of Supreme Court members, all designed to make sure they never lose another election again. You cannot do this. I tell this to audiences I speak to, and I'm going to tell you. You get out there and you vote for J.D. Vance and keep radical nut jobs like Tim Ryan home and, and make him go get a real job for the first time in 20 years. He hasn't worked a real job. He's a career politician for 20 years. He's been in the Congress. Make him go get a real job, and you put J.D. Vance in that seat. And I promise you, he will be a staunch, strong conservative. Is he the second coming of Ted Cruz or Tom Cotton or Rand Paul? I'm not going to make that statement yet. He's never done this before. But I have absolute confidence that J.D. Vance is going to make us a stronger country and moreover, a vote for J.D. Vance is going to keep Tim Ryan out of Washington, out of the, well, at least out of the Senate, and make sure that we at least have a fighting chance to reclaim this country. Do not allow this nut, Tim Ryan, to get anywhere near the United States Senate. He's a liar. He is not a pro-cop. He's not pro-fracking. He is not pro-border wall. He is not pro-Trump. He is not any of the things he has claimed to be on the debate stages, the town hall stages, or in his campaign ads. You get out there and you vote for J.D. Vance, and you do it proudly, and you make sure that you tell other people to do the same thing. I'll be back.
Okay, 1056. Always right radio on AM 1420. The answer. Get a couple of phone calls in here. Thomas is waiting patiently in Willoughby, and he's now on the air. Thomas, good morning. Go ahead. Good morning, Bob. Just, uh, I know it's a little off topic with all the political stuff, but it reminded me when you were uh, interviewing Madison that the Ohio Supreme Court in 1994 in the DeRolf case decided that the funding of schools through real estate taxes was unconstitutional. And about three or four years later, they, they made another, the Supreme Court made another decision supporting that initial DeRolf decision. I never, ever hear it discussed on your show, or maybe you haven't. I just haven't heard it. No, no, I haven't either. You're right. It's not discussed anywhere. Um, it, it isn't. Politicians have kicked the can, and <clears throat> I'm, I'm a trial lawyer, but I'm a staunch conservative uh, all the way across the spectrum, but... It, uh, it needs to be done because I know you're frequently talking to candidates who want to reduce the amount of the property tax or get rid of it altogether. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe just a topic for future discussion. Well, let me ask you, since you're in the legal field, um, I mean, have you heard any more uh, movement, any um, uh, legislation or any civil actions that have been taken since that Supreme Court decision was made to 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 act on it and make sure that it is you know that it is uh, uh, no longer no longer done. The ball. They just dropped the ball. The the Duroff case came out in '94. Yeah. And a couple of years later, another case went up the chain. The Supreme Court said yes, the Duroff decision was correct, and mm-hmm. they had further discussions. But the politicians don't want to touch it. Don't want to touch it. So who would be who would be the 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 uh, uh, a party that would have standing to file suit to make them do what the what the Supreme Court said must be done, and that is end real estate as a as a form of of school funding. That I don't know. You'd try. Would it presume that there would just be a taxpayer who pays property taxes and says you're taking my money to fund something that the Supreme Court said is unconstitutional? Okay. Well, listen, uh, it, it, please don't take this in any way as an attack or a slight, but I mean, I'm just saying this since you said you're an attorney. Guy like you needs to find that, that person. Guy like you or somebody in your, in your firm or somebody in the, in the, in the, in the legal realm that you know needs to find somebody who's willing to do that. Cause I think there would be a, a very strong, uh, uh, wave of support for that. Um, you know, particularly in, you know, with, re- with respect to the Supreme Court decision from 20 years or 25 years ago, whatever it's been now. I, I would, I would think, you know, somebody in the legal profession who's knowledgeable about this as you obviously are, you gotta find that taxpayer. You gotta find that taxpayer or that group of taxpayers to file, uh, you know, uh, as a class action or something and make it happen. I mean, I, cause you're right. Nobody's talking about it. Politicians don't want to touch it. The only way they'll do it is if there's a court case. Right. I appreciate your show. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you, too. I hope you and I hope other people do indeed look into that and uh, try to make that happen. We'll take a time out here for news. Always right radio. Right back. Candidate or campaign committee. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by Keeping Medicare Simple and The Floor King. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis 
didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Seven minutes after 11 o'clock. And hour number three is underway on this Wednesday. It's the second morning of the 11th month of the year of our Lord, 2022. We have had uh, a very busy day today. We talked to Christina Rogner about her Senate race re-election campaign. We talked to Madison Jessiato Gilbert about her congressional race against uh, Amelia Sykes. And uh, now we're going to talk about what happened last night in the Senate race in Columbus. A Fox News town hall forum, 30 minutes of questions, not from moderators so much. They did follow-ups, but 30 minutes of questions from audience members, Twitter users, people who recorded videos, and more. Uh, 30 minutes for Tim Ryan, then 30 minutes for J.D. Vance. Tim Ryan squirmed and uh, struggled, I think, throughout to defend himself against some of his previous statements. J.D. Vance, I think, hit a moonshot. I think his shot last night was was longer and better than Bryce Harper's. Yeah, I was, I was raised by a single mom, too. I was raised by my mamaw, uh, in big part my grandmother, because of some of the issues that we had in our family. But I, I certainly know the struggles that working families are going through. And, and I'd say a couple of big things, right? So one of the reasons why we have this terrible inflation is because the Biden administration, backed by Tim, uh, supported a lot of borrowing and spending, throwing fuel on the fire, which has caused the price of everything to go up. Now, we have to remember, Biden said that he wouldn't raise taxes on the middle class. But if you're a family right now dealing with the grocery prices and the energy prices, certainly you feel like your taxes have gone up a lot because the cost of living a good life in this country has gone up a lot. Spot on. Absolutely spot on. Every middle class American has seen their taxes go up because every time the, the, the numbers on your gas pump where you are read $65 instead of $43 to fill up your truck the way I do, or $50 instead of $35 to fill up your car, that's a tax hike. Every time your grocery bill goes from $110 for a cartload to $160 for a cartload, that is a tax hike. And all of these are the responsibility of Biden administration and Democrat legislative policies. Make no mistake about it. J.D. hit it out of the park last night on that issue and so many more. Let's uh, welcome now our regular Wednesday guest, Jack Windsor, of course. is Our regular Wednesday commentator. He is the editor and founder and lead reporter and do-everything guy for the Ohio Press Network. And he was in Columbus last night. He was covering that event. So he's got a perspective that you and I don't. Welcome, Jack Windsor. How are you, sir? Bob, I'm super fantastic. Thanks for choosing me today. That applause there uh, kind of sounded like J.D. Vance entering the room <laughs> last night. Um, that, to me, uh, the, the there's a lot we'll talk about, but the energy of the room when he came in and the energy of the room um, when he was introduced, uh, when the cameras went live, uh, was markedly different. And, you know, Fox News said there were Democrats, there were Republicans, there were independents. Uh, the energy for J.D. Vance was off the charts last night. I'm very glad to hear you talk about that to start, Jack, because uh, that's one of the things I wanted to ask you. The left will say it was a stacked deck as it was a Fox News production. They probably had far more Republicans in the crowd uh, than Democrats. Um, do you think that is the case, or 
Was that just kind of an indication, a cross-section of the population that they brought into this thing, uh, and that just happens to be how popular Republicans are in Ohio right now as opposed to Democrats? Well, I can tell you the, the local reporters they, they chose for the panel were both left-leaning. So uh, looking at it from my personal experience um, in you know my little industry, um, I think the left was very well represented there. Uh, there were times throughout the night that Tim Bryan made some comments, and he had significant applause. Um, were there more Republicans? Possibly. But, I mean, look at Ohio. Outside of Sherrod Brown, who's been in politics uh, about as long as I've been alive and has tremendous name recognition, uh, Republicans, you know, they, they carry the day in, in almost every major office. So, um, you know, some people would say that Ohio is a purple state. Um, in a lot of ways, it's still it's a it's a red state. It used to be a bellwether state, um, but is more decidedly Republican now. So, if there were more Republicans, I think that's indicative of what's going on uh, across Ohio's 88 counties. Did you happen to talk to anybody there, Jack, about how they uh, seated people? In other words, how many people? How many people were in the in the uh, venue? Do you know? You know, that's a that's a great question. I got a couple of pictures. I, if I went back and counted, it, you know, it might be like 150. Uh, okay. 200 people. So are you aware um, or did you talk to anybody about how they made sure that there was an equal number or a, a not an equal number, but that there were a number of Democrats, Republicans and independents? Did they did they issue tickets based on that, based on people's declarations? Did they ask people outside the door? Was it, you know, we're, we're letting the, we're letting the first 150 people in unless they're, you know, unless we find out they're all from one party, then we're going to say, you've got to go, you've got to go. And these other guys can come in. I, I guess I'm wondering how they balanced it if they did yeah that's an answer i don't have and it's a question i really didn't ask um partially because some of the questions that i did ask on the front end um they were answered but uh it was a pretty big production they had last night it's actually amazing to watch they come in they set up and uh you know 30 minutes after it was over i mean they're breaking everything down it's uh it's precision that they operate by uh, but you know the folks that put it together have a lot on their plates um and and you get time for some questions up front um but they don't have a great deal of time to deal with your questions so no that was not one that i asked but we can dig into that take a look at it and yeah see. the only reason uh, I, it's no it's you know it's it's not it's not worth digging i just wondered if you happen to know because i want to know what to make of the applause because i agree with you it was markedly loud at least from the tv side i watched it you were there um it was markedly different. Uh, there was much more energy in the room, it seemed like, whenever J.D. dropped his winning lines than there were when Tim Ryan dropped his winning lines. I mean, he had applause, to be truthful, as he was, you know, since he went first, it sounded really, really loud to me. And I thought, oh, boy, I bet Fox overcompensated and stacked the deck with a lot more Democrats in the crowd because, man, listen to that applause for Tim Ryan. It sounded really loud to me until Vance got his turn, and then it was like, oh, my, uh, not so much. Uh, there are, there, it's much larger for J.D. Vance. So I'm just wondering what to make of it because I'm trying, yeah. to get a, I'm trying to get a bellwether here, Jack, on what's going to happen next Tuesday, you know, and I want to see if that small crowd is an indication. Yeah, so we'll talk about that a little bit more. An interesting thing, you know, part of the job of a producer on the set like that is to get people whooped up, right? So right. regardless of which side you're on, when they come back from commercial, they want they want that energy. So I think for both candidates, there's there's some of that, right? It's you have a producer or somebody you know behind the camera kind of doing the hey, you know, get up, make some noise kind of thing, and and I think that happens. So yes, Tim Ryan did get a lot of. Uh, you know, energy, but J.D. Vance got a standing ovation when he entered the room. 
the thing that was really interesting to me, and this is the difference, because, you know, people respond in like kind. They, you know, they, they feed off of the energy of the person that's being focused on. And I, I'll, I'll never forget, I was watching uh, Tim Ryan. Uh, he's sitting in the chair, and, and they go live, and he's just kind of, you can see he's kind of thinking deep, maybe rehearsing his lines. And then once it goes on, he kind of plasters the smile on his face and perks up. And it was really interesting. It was like, I'm sitting here, okay, now I'm ready for TV. The juxtaposition to that was J.D. Vance looked, looked like he'd been sitting in that seat for two hours and, and chatting with everybody. And, you know, he was at a you know cookout on the 4th of July hanging out with his buddies. The energy uh, was just different. And I think people fed off of that. Well, that's that's a good way to look at it, uh, uh, Jackson. Now let's talk. Uh, just, I want to get your opinion. You and I spoke last night <clears throat> get, getting uh, instant reactions from one another about uh, how things went. And, um, of course, I just gave you mine because I was watching. You not only gave me yours, but you also talked about somebody that you spoke with who saw things a little bit differently than I did when it, when it comes to Tim Ryan's performance. So um, in whatever order you choose, how did you evaluate Ryan, not the reception, we've covered that part, but how, his answers, mm-hmm. his performance? And um, you said you did t- speak to some, uh, some uh, ticket holders who were there at the event uh, who, who had some opinions you want to share. Yeah, so look, each person was asked several questions from members of the audience and then from Brett and Martha. And so there was a lot of back and forth, but let's do the 80-20 rule here. Let's let's find the things that I think are going to move the needle forward the most. And depending on what you look at, in Ohio's 15, or 15 congressional districts, you know, so encompassing the entire state, what people are searching online and what they're talking about, jobs, wages, taxes, firearms, gas prices, abortions on the list, it's about 17th, 8th, 9th, somewhere in that ballpark. So the question for me that I think probably determined what someone was going to do if they're undecided for for, uh, Tim Ryan or J.D. Vance, uh, it's pretty fortuitous. You played uh, J.D. Vance's uh, comment at the top of the show. He's spot on. You know, we can talk about taxes and tax cuts and what you need, but if you are a hardworking Ohioan and you go to the gas pump and you're paying what you're paying and you go to the grocery store and you're paying what you pay, you're paying, you get your energy bill and you're paying what you're paying, you're going, I'm, it feels like, I don't, you can call it a tax, you can call it inflation, you can call it whatever you want. I call my, I call it my bank account being empty. And so I think the way that um, J.D. Vance was able to diagnose how we got to where we are and you know what is he going to do he's 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 not going to vote for tax and spend is what he said and he's he's going to open up um energy uh and particularly in the state of ohio and here's the bugaboo for tim ryan if you remember there was a moment the first question the lady said can you look me in the face and tell me that the government expenditures on the green energy subsidies for the inflation reduction act uh that increase our national debt are in any way lessening my burden at the gas station in the grocery store and do you remember what he said he said, I, I could not say that right now at this present moment. Well, look, it, which, which, which by the way, I think demanded a follow up. Can you say that about any point in the future? And I think he tried to say, you know, well, but, but of course, we, you know, analysts have looked that thing up one side and down the other. And I wish this is, you know, where I wish Brett Baer or Martha McCallum would have said this that experts and analysts say that if the Inflation Reduction Act has any impact whatsoever on inflation in the next several years, it will be to increase inflation by a slight amount, by 0.2%. It will do nothing to decrease inflation. No, it won't, de- it won't decrease inflation. And some of the other piece, big pieces of legislation are actually going to increase taxes in every tax bracket. So 
so you're kind of stuck with that, right? And, and, and I guess in a sense, he's owning it. He's saying not in the present moment. But then when he, he got down to the nitty-gritty, well, what do you do? Well, you know, we need to make sure that we are taking advantage of this natural, you know, gas blessing that we have here in Ohio, and we need to streamline project permitting. And then he, here's the odd part. He goes on to say, and then we need to export it to Europe and China. So the question is, how are you going to fix prices at the gas pump? How are you going to fix prices at the grocery store? And Tim Ryan is talking about a three- to five-year solution and then exporting our natural resources to China. There was a tone deafness there that I just – I was blown away by the answer to that first question, to be totally frank. We're talking to Jack Windsor, who was uh, was at the event last night in Columbus, the uh, Fox News Town Hall Forum with uh, Tim Ryan and J.D. Vance answering questions from uh, audience members and beyond. So tell me more about, uh, about like I said, I, I, I saw J.D. Vance as being more prepared. Um, you and I have talked about this before, that uh, Ryan is the 20-year guy. He's been through 10 mm-hmm. campaigns. He's, he's had to campaign every two years for, for his seat in uh, in Congress. And yet, J.D. Vance, who's a rookie, who's brand new at this. Now, he's not a media rookie because, of course, you know, he helped produce his own movie, which is based on his own book, and he's had a lot of camera time. But uh, never in a, in, a, in a situation like this where he's facing questions from people over political positions, he looked like he's been there forever. He looked composed. I, th- I said this earlier in the show, that I thought he did good in the first debate, I thought he was great in the second debate. I thought he was outstanding last night. And it wasn't a debate, but he didn't know what questions were coming any more than anybody else did. He was prepared. He was articulate. He answered every question. I think he, he scored every point that he wanted to score. And I think he should be feeling very good about where he sits right now six days away. Your thoughts? Yeah, so um, I'm trying to think of an analogy so that this isn't an unfair way to say this. Um, you know, when we were growing up, one of the things we heard is you don't tell a lie, right? Because when you tell a lie, you got to cover it up with another lie and then another lie. And then, you know, uh, the farther you get away from that initial point, the more you have to kind of play mind games and go, well, wait, what did I say? How did I? And, and to me, that's the issue. I mean, J.D. Vance um, said what he said about Donald Trump way back before the primary. And then he explained what he said and, and why he feels differently. And, you know, in, in a real sense, he's, he's beating the same drum. You know, his policy positions seem to come from a worldview that he's embracing and owning right now, even if it is different than 2016 and 2017. I don't think Tim Ryan is doing the same thing. I think Tim Ryan is, is, is having to jockey thoughts in his mind about, well, you know, yes. I mean, it, it kind of comes down to this. Let, let me say this. Twice last night, and I think they showed it on the camera, uh, you know, we were up top, but they asked for a show of hands. Do you think the border is secure? <laughs> One person raised their hand. Do you think inflation is the top issue? Everybody raised their hand. Uh, well, if you're Tim Ryan, h- how do you jujitsu yourself out of that? When you voted with Nancy Pelosi 100% of the time, when you voted with Joe Biden 100% of the time. So I, I think that there is just so much maneuvering that Ryan has to perform that, that it's just it's taxing, you know? And I think J.D. is, frankly, I think J.D. is in the lead. Um, I think he's got a five- or six-point lead, and I think he's starting to feel that. I think he saw that energy and enthusiasm last night. But make, make no mistake about it, when we did these GOP U.S. Senate forums, J.D. Vance is as good in a, uh, with a microphone as anyone I've ever seen. 
Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Uh, he he is, and he was smooth. And so now the question becomes: the the face to face or head to head or whatever you want to call them moments are over. Now it's knocking doors, I suppose, having individual stump uh, speeches and 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 a lot more campaign uh, tel- television ads. I'm sure. What does Tim Ryan do to close the gap that you think is, exists right now? Can he? Yeah, can yeah. he? Not only maybe that's a better question. Can he close the gap, or is this really just all going uh, JD's way now? Well, look. Let's let's look at a couple of the indicators, right? So, if you go to five thirty-eight, um, let's look at the national momentum in the past couple of days. It actually shows that uh, the Republicans are probably going to take the Senate, right? There are some toss-up seats. There might be it might be fifty-two, it might be fifty-three, and they're certainly going to take the House. So. The energy and the momentum is there. Um, I would say that it's been there. I think it's been underreported. I think it, I think it's trying to push a you know a beach ball under the water <laughs> in a swimming pool. It's going to pop up. It's just a matter of you know where is it going to pop up first. Um, at this point, uh, you look at uh, the simulations that Five Thirty Eight has run, and they run like forty thousand of them. Eighty percent of those simulations not only come back for a JD Vance victory, but they come back near double digits. I don't know how you close that gap, particularly uh, when you realize that Tim Ryan is not getting the funding. It seems that the spigot has been turned off for his race, and they're diverting that money to, to other races. That's not that they're conceding. Um, he's going to have to have a, a killer ground game. But, you know, for me, um, J.D. Vance has Donald Trump coming in the night before the election. Uh, that's hard to overcome. In, in Ohio, where Trump has won uh, the state by eight points on two separate occasions, um, which 2020, by the way, was more impressive because of the, you know, the attacks that he was under for four years. Um, I would say that it's insurmountable, but I could be wrong. Was Fox fair fair uh, in the way they handled everything? Uh, can you ask that in a different way? How they handled everything, meaning the the forum, the, the questions, debate, the uh, questions. I was reading Andrew Tobias. Uh, perhaps you've read him uh, on Cleveland.com and his takeaway from the uh, from the event. He said that. Ryan was grilled with follow-up questions. Vance was handed softballs with no follow-up questions of note. Yeah, so I think Tim Ryan um, was grilled a little bit um, because I think Tim Ryan has been inconsistent. <laughs> and so um, has J.D. Vance been inconsistent? I think there was one uh, you know, one issue on abortion that they talked about. Um, so do I think that the questions were uh, more difficult for uh, Tim Ryan? Yes, I do. I actually do think that they lean back harder on Tim Ryan. Is that because of bias, or is that because of what we just talked about a few minutes ago, the the, the mental jujitsu he has to perform in order to backtrack that he's voted uh, in support of everything that got us to where we are? Yeah, well, and he's so trying think- to reinvent himself. So, I mean, you're, there has to be follow-up on that. There has to be, quote-unquote, harder questions on that. If you've put yourself into a position where you have hated Donald Trump for the last six years, and now you're saying, I voted with Trump on China, and I voted with Trump on trade, and now I'm and I'm for fracking, uh, and I'm for uh, pro-cop, and all of these things that he has never been, I'm for a tax cut. He's never voted for a tax cut in his life, in his 20 years in Washington. In fact, Jack, don't you have a stat on that? Yeah, he's, he's voted um, according to information now. I'm still digging through it, and, and to be totally transparent, it's information that the uh, National Republican Senatorial Committee put out um, that has links to 113 different votes uh, on which uh, he voted in the affirmative to raise taxes by $6.7 
trillion dollars. <laughs> so there is a record there of tax increases, um, not tax decreases. And with all due respect, I think Andrew Tobias is a great writer. Um, I'm, I'm certain he probably doesn't feel the same way about me, and that's okay. Um, but my my question would be, you know, how did you perceive the first two debates? Because you know, particularly the one in Youngstown, uh, you know, some of the questions that were being asked. Um, you know, about they're bringing up the Trump comment about kiss my arse, right? With right, Peggy Vance. Right. They wanted to ban those flames again. They wanted to talk about the LGBTQ stuff. They wanted to talk about January 6th. And, you know, Ohioans are talking about inflation, <laughs> the economy, taxes, guns. And so, you know, if we're going to take that road, then let's travel it through all three and do an honest assessment on all three head-to-head uh, times that they've had. Very, very good point. That's why we have you on, Jack Windsor. Jack, terrific analysis. I'm glad you were there last night. Uh, we'll talk again very, very soon. In fact, maybe really, really, really soon to tell everybody about what's coming next uh, for uh, for you in the media, media realm and for myself as well. Uh, but thanks so much for the great job you did last night and uh, for this morning. Bob, thanks for choosing me. Have a super fantastic day. Terrific job by Jack Windsor. Time out now for news. Back after on Always Right Radio. I don't know about you, but all those interviews have made me kind of hungry. Uh, seriously, if you're hungry like I am, what is it now? Yeah, it's getting close to lunchtime, about a half an hour away. Uh, how about Harry Buffalo? If you're in the area and you're looking for a great place to have your lunch, Harry Buffalo on Nor- uh, Great Northern Boulevard in North Olmsted is always a great option. I tell you about the food, and I like to tell you about the specials. Each and every day there's a new special, particularly for the happy hour. Not for the lunch crowd, but for the 4 to 7 happy hour crowd. It's the Burger Bonanza on Wednesdays. The best burger menu in Northeast Ohio. Why? Because nobody else offers you bison. Uh, amidst all of the other great different combinations of burgers that you can have with toppings to beat the band, you can convert your burger from beef to bison, and nobody else can touch that. It is phenomenal. you got to check it out for yourself. $2 off on Wednesdays. But there's great food specials every day. Uh, and whether you go for lunch or whether you go for this uh, happy hour time or maybe you just want to take the family out to dinner after the job tonight, it's always a great time to get to uh, Harry Buffalo. But before you go, might I suggest you go to the website, harrybuffalo.com. Join the herd, which means you're a subscriber. They'll send you all the latest buff news and specials so you can save money on subsequent visits. And you'll also get a free appetizer on your next visit, too. How about that? Go for lunch. Go for happy hour. Go for dinner. It doesn't matter what time because it's always a good time when it's Harry Buffalo time on Great Northern Boulevard in North Olmsted. Helping you understand the Commander-in-Chief. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go you know the you know the thing. Always right with Bob France. True and international suffered pressure. On AM 1420, the answer. Oh boy, oh boy. <clears throat> Long morning. Long morning, great conversations with a lot of great candidates, great analysts, uh, including uh Our friend Jack Windsor, just moments ago, appreciate you being a part of this today. I know we don't have a ton of time for phone calls in this particular time of the election cycle. 
you know, I've got candidates coming on, I've got analysts coming on, I've got pollsters coming on, I've got all of these kind of things. So I hope you appreciate and understand uh, why we can't always get a ton of calls. And we'll try to make a little bit more room tomorrow. Uh, we're supposed to have J.D. Vance tomorrow. I don't have that time locked down yet, but um, we were going to have him this morning. But as you can imagine, his schedule is off the wall, uh, just completely, uh, almost impo- almost completely impossible. I'll say it that way, almost completely impossible to get J.D. on. Um, after last night's performance, I did message with him, like I said, and he was ready to go. And then his scheduler says, uh, no, we've got other things there, 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 and there. So we'll try to get him on tomorrow. But, um, I, I hope you, I hope you kind of saw the same thing that I did. And I hope most importantly, you'll consider what I mentioned earlier. Uh, if you're still holding against JD Vance, the comments he made about President Trump, get over it. Okay. Get over it. Now, you might say, Bob, how about a little consistency here? You complained about those things back in February, March, April, May. You'd be right. Not only did I complain about them, I questioned J.D. to his face about them and voice-to-voice on the radio. And that was the time to make that complaint. That was the time to clarify and clear up whatever the, you know, the, the point that J.D. was making with his... I might have to hold my nose and vote for Hillary and his criticism of Donald Trump. That was the time when there were other Republicans to consider in the primary uh, race for, uh, for the nomination for the Senate. That time is gone. There are no other Republicans in the race. It's J.D. Vance or it's a Democrat. And I don't even have to say that it's Tim Ryan who is an awful Democrat who is a far-left, 100% of the time, vote for Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer Democrat. I don't even need to say that. Just, it's a Democrat. And there is no way you, in good conscience, as a constitutional, loving, conservative Ohioan, there's no way you can, in good conscience, justify not voting for J.D. Vance over a steaming pile of Democrats. You just can't do it. You have to vote for him, and you can't just say, well, I won't vote for him, but I won't vote for Ryan either. That's different than the governor's race. Now, I know I've made that claim about the governor's race. It's very, very different. That race is not close. That race is not close, and there is a big difference between what Mike DeWine and Nan Whaley are doing and have to offer because of the impact of the legislature, the Ohio General Assembly, than there is in this case. In this case, I will repeat to you what Ted Cruz said on this program uh, about a week and a half ago. The stakes are too high to, to mess around here and monkey around and allow the Democrats to get 52 votes in the Senate. If they just get two more, they will change the country, not just for a while, not just for two more years until the 2024 presidential election. They will change the country for forever. Ted Cruz was right. And, and kind of lift up above a lot and of the that's noise. Not that Cruz. That's not Ted Cruz. Why am I hearing? Oh, that's Carrie Lake. And for some reason, Carrie Lake started to speak there. But that's not what I wanted to have happen. So at any rate, uh, Ted Cruz pointed out that they will indeed abolish the filibuster, pack the court, add two states, which is four more liberal uh, Democrat voters. Make no mistake about that. Uh, and they will most importantly pass 
Senate Bill 1, S1 and H.R. 1, which is the For the People Act, which, of course, federalizes all elections. It strips the rights of the states to make up their own election rules. They'll change it so that there is never allowed to be voter ID requested. They will change it so that there will be universal mail-in voting now and forever like they did in 2020. Unchecked and unregulated, unmanned, unverified, unsurveilled uh, 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 drop boxes. The worst of the worst that we saw in 2020 in, in a few important battleground states would be nationwide. And all of that happens if you vote for a pile of Democrat. It doesn't matter that it's Tim Ryan who's awful. Any Democrat. Or if you don't cast your vote for J.D., allowing a possibility of a very close race to tip the other way. So I, I just I want you to get over your JD uh, questions. I, I'm on Facebook and I'm on Twitter now, and I'm talking to people about JD Vance, and I'm promoting him. I'm endorsing him. And by the way, my own view has changed quite a bit from last, uh, from this past, um, you know, February, March, and April before the primary. Not only is it the fact that the primary is over and there's no other Republicans to choose from, I've gotten to know and talk to J.D. Vance on air and off a lot more about who he is, what he is, and what he believes. And yes, political conversions are possible. People coming around, it's possible. I'm living and walking and talking proof of that. Because I was the same way about Donald Trump in uh, 2015. In 2015, when he was running in the primary, I was like, nope, anybody but Trump. Give me Ted Cruz. Give me, uh, give me Carly Fiorina, give me Ben Carson, give me Marco Rubio, give me Rand Paul, give me all of these guys before Donald Trump. I thought it was one New York liberal against another if it was, t- if it was uh, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. I said it on this program because his career to that point had been, his, his comments, his views had been liberal. And guess what? When he won the nomination, I turned around and said, okay, I'm now for Trump. Because the alternative was a steaming pile of Democrat in the form of Hillary Clinton. And lo and behold, Donald Trump just simply went on to have one of the most successful presidencies in three and a half years. I'm not counting the full COVID year because of everything that was hamstrung. But one of the most successful presidencies of my lifetime. Right up there with President Reagan's, quite frankly. In terms of what he did for middle class America, what he did for education in America, what he did for national security, what he did for on the immigration front, he cut all of our taxes. And, and guess what? My conversion was the right thing to do. So I want you to consider that as you not only make up your own mind about what you're going to do on the Senate race, and I want you to vote for J.D. Vance, don't leave it blank. I want you to recognize and believe that political conversions can be real. And not that he needed to be converted. J.D., I think, has always been a Republican, and he's always called himself a conservative. He just didn't like Trump. But he came around like I did and like you did, like many people did. Kersenow did. A lot of us did. We had to come around. So do not let the 20... Um, 16 comments of J.D. Vance cloud your judgment. He is going to be a great senator. He's going to be a conservative senator. Quite frankly, he's going to be an upgrade, in my view, over Rob Portman. I think he's going to be better than Rob Portman as a conservative. I think he's going to be a reliable, trustworthy conservative vote where I always have to kind of, you know, flip a coin to see what I'm going to get from, from Senator Portman sometimes. And I say that not with any joy, because I have a lot of respect for Rob Portman in other ways. But I think this is going to be an upgrade, and I think you need to make sure that you uh, listen very closely to what J.D. Vance has to say today and not what he said back in 2016. 
All right, that's it. That's all the time we've got. I wanted to, to close with that, and I wanted to make sure that you understand the importance of not just leaving it blank. You've got to get out there and tell people to vote for J.D. Vance and make sure that we turn or uh, keep that seat red and keep the steaming pile of Democrat out of Washington. Thanks to my guests today. Thanks to our crew, and thanks to you. Be well, be safe, stay free. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.